Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the Boogaloo, my electric sequel, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. Uh, I'm doing better than you today, from the sound of yes, it. Yes, I am on the tail end of a really craptacular migraine. Yeah, yeah. So are, are we going to get, is it Sam Jackson, Jonathan? Is that what we get during these? <laughs> yes, I've used the F word more in the last two hours than I think I'm comfortable admitting. Okay. okay. And that's saying something because I love the F word. Well, we'll try to tone it back, man. I, I it, Putting in the bleeps is oddly annoying, so don't do that. I, I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to try my hardest. Incidentally, uh, do you know what bleep sound I have settled on with, with, our, with our stuff? Have you, have you heard the bleep in the, in the podcast? I can't say I remember what you chose. So uh, I, I record on a Mac because I'm one of those people, I guess. The problem children? Yeah. And they have a, a bunch of like random like looping noises you can just put in for free. And that is, my friend, Microwave Beep 3 that I use. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I churn, the, uh, I churn the, uh, the reverb all the way up on that so it gets really good and echoey. I support it. Behind the scenes. And now you know. <laughs> oh, no, and knowing no, is no. half the battle. Do you need me to host today? Would that help you? Uh, no, I'm just adding a couple things to the notes as I remember doing them because when I was filling out the notes, my brain wasn't really functioning 100%. So. Well, your brain, if, you're, if your brain's not functioning 100%, I, I can pretend to be you and then you can be me and you could be the Boogaloo to my electric sequel, Mr. Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Let's see how okay, it goes. Okay, okay. I'm going to wing it. I'm going to wing it. Then I should remind you to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. <laughs> Well, you didn't give me a chance. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, go. After you, sir. Well, as always, we want to start this episode off with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on and the content a-flowing, which is hard to believe. We both kind of had the same reaction when we started recording this. 87. Mm-hmm. 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 We're on the tail end, man. We're almost to the hundy. Yeah, I know. Weird. We're going to be starting the, the, the last 10 countdown soon. Yeah, yeah. What a weird year, man. Like, I, I'm hoping that a year from now when I'm listening to this episode, because I try to listen to them uh, before a year in the life comes up. Murder Hornets and Plague? Yeah, yeah. It's just going to be a weird episode, man. It's going to be a weird man, time. Mur- the Murder to- Hornets are up in your neck of the woods, man. Uh, yeah, they're up in Washington. Uh, my my parents got more to worry about them than I do. They haven't spotted them any down here in the in the Oregon. But yeah, yeah. Murder Hornets. What the hell? Dude, those things kill like 40 people a year in Japan. I do not doubt it. They're big. <laughs> Nothing a can of Aquanet and a cigarette lighter won't fix. Uh, do you really want to take that chance? I, if, if I see a murder hornet, I'm just going to nope. It's just be nope. Oh, I'm going to nope. But if that little murder hornet tries to chase me down, it's coming down with the fireball flu. Okay. 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 Well, Jonathan, on that lovely note... <laughs> today uh when this goes out it should be uh if i remember correctly may 19th and may 19th is happy national may ray day i've never even heard of this i that's why we're doing it man because we're we're, we're spreading the love this one's a twofer you, you get two two things you get to do on this national day 
for National Mayray Day. One, if you're out and you want to say, hey, you, you're not supposed to say, hey, you today. You're supposed to say, hey, Ray. Uh, I don't know why. And Ray, since your name's Ray, you get to say that anyway, and it just fits. So you, you don't get a special name. Everybody gets your name today. You get to be less special today because your name's so awesome. <laughs> Secondly. And Ray's so awesome. That's true. That's, that's very, very true. Secondly, uh, you're supposed to go out and enjoy some springtime sun because May is the last full month, apparently, of, uh, I don't know. That's what it said. Actually, thinking about it, that's not true, but whatever. That's what it said. Go out and get some, some late spring sun. I don't know sun. where you're going with this. No, it said this is the last month of, of, of spring. But I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't the sol- – I don't know. Is the solstice in June? I don't even know. Whatever. Go, go get some sun and say, hey, Ray, you're, you're, you're done. Two fur. Two fur. And then if it's not sunny uh, on the day it happens to be May Ray Day, then uh, just go out on another day when there are rays because that's how it works, apparently, on May Ray Day. I need to live in a more enlightened state to be able to grasp the complexities of May Ray Day. Hey, now, there's an idea. Yeah, speaking of which, you know, you know what I am. Not yet. I'm almost going to. Uh, I'm, I'm almost going to pull the the trigger on. Like I, I think if things keep going the way they are, uh, I think it's going to happen. Me and the wife have been kind of talking about if uh, if vacations keep getting canceled because we we had a couple planned and the first two the budgets have gone to the switch, but we still we had the bigger one the the late summer vacation which was much bigger. But if that doesn't happen, uh, we think we're going to sink that budget into getting, uh, as my neighbors in the neighborhood Facebook group called it, a hillbilly hot tub, which is a Coleman inflatable hot tub. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm thinking that might happen because they're only like four or five hundred bucks, which isn't bad. And you just hook them up to a hose and a plug and you're off. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about doing that. Uh, at least three of my neighbors have pulled the trigger on that and I, I'm starting to get a little jelly of it. I think it needs to happen. All right. I don't know where we were going with that. I don't know what, but I just. No clue, man. That was all you. That was, that was all, all you. Me. You're, you're flying solo on that one. I'm Han Solo. I'm Han Solo. This all came from May Ray Day. May Ray Day. Hey. And weed and 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 yeah, and I have not imbibed today. Don't don't make that joke. I don't I don't. I'll admit it if I'm doing it, but I don't do it for the podcast because you you want to know you want to know what happens when Robert has alcohol or weed or anything. Uh, Robert's funny filter, the bar gets set way low, so I make the worst jokes imaginable, and then I laugh hysterically at them because they're my own and I, I have to. And you know what? I want to give our listeners high quality entertainment which is which is you know where my bar is higher have you have you listened to our show maybe one day we'll do the very special for i don't know when we could you know if we have an episode that comes out on 420 maybe we'll do the very special 420 episode <laughs> and people can understand why i should not do that on on anything oh man uh let me just tell you if that happens uh hosting is going to be a particularly interesting uh a gig that oh god are we are we setting ourselves up for the future for a potential 420 episode i don't know what year that'll happen for you but i I think you should look into that (laughs) i don't know what's happening anymore i just work here man i have nothing to follow that up on anyway let's get to off the shelf The, the enough tomfoolery you're acting all silly. Right, well, as always, we're going to kick this show off with our off-the-shelf segment. This is our segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've had off of our shelf, onto our tables, or televisions, and into our hearts. Where do you want to start this week, Robert? What did we do? I think we did video games first last week, did we not? I don't recall, to be honest with you. I feel like the answer was video games. So why don't we start, oddly enough, as a board game podcast, why don't we start with board games? Because we never do. 
Yeah, we usually save it for last because that's like you, you usually have a lot of stuff, and that's how we like segue into like the the actual gaming part of the podcast. You know, where we like yeah, but you and I have played a fair amount of games together. We've played two. Like, what are you, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah, two is is one third of the things that I've played. <laughs> and two is a whole lot more than we usually do. <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, okay, sure. Let's start with board games. Uh, so, well, you, you and my board games uh, comprise 100% of the board games I've played in the last two weeks. I've been, I keep meaning to take Potion Explosion off the shelf, but we just never do. We just never do. Man, I love Potion Explosion. Yeah. That game is so much fun. I, I completely agree. Speaking of which, if uh, it is in the Humble Bundle that was pointed out by somebody in our uh, Facebook group and on our Discord, uh, and I believe that the Humble Bundle will still be going on when this episode releases for another couple of days. So go to HumbleBundle.com and look at the Asmodee Digital Bundle. It's a ridiculous amount of games, like $160 worth of games uh, that you can get for 12 bucks, and you can make the money go to a good cause. I picked it up uh, because for 12 bucks, how could I not? And I hope you did too, Car- uh, cause Dude, Were you about to call me Carlos? Yeah, man, my head fucking hurts. Wow. Wow. I'm your boy? You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That doesn't even make sense. You're not even remotely close to him. Yeah, I know. I know. Man, you, you need help. You need help. No, I just need... I can't... I'm not allowed to take any more drugs. I've maxed out. Oh, wow. You've hit that, that limit today. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, okay. Board games. Focus, Jonathan. Stop being all headachy and weird. Ugh, what's wrong with you? Where do I begin? We played a game of uh, Flame Rogue, which... Uh, <laughs> also known as Flam Rouge. Fl- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pronounce it properly. Right. Flame Rogue. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, we played that on the Tabletop Simulator, which is weird because you could only play like the basic, basic game on it but because somebody hadn't scripted it all together yet or something like that. But uh, yeah, we, we played that together. I got to try out the uh, the mechanics. And you also, I know you played it with Brendan one day because I was busy and I know you guys played that together. Yeah, I taught Brendan how to play. Uh, I taught you how to play because why not? I mean, that game is super fun. I'm now now we just need to get together and get a, a bunch of folks involved. And either make a, or find a version that we can build the other courses because that's all in there. It's just you can't do anything about it. Yeah, it's off on the right-hand side, so I don't know what to do. Yeah, they don't click together. I think someone, one of us needs to learn how to script, and uh, uh, my my finger is already on my nose for the not it. Uh, don't look at me, man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm no good at programming languages. That is not my forte. <laughs> well, there you go. But yeah, yeah, I tried it out. It's It's an interesting little game. It was weird, like me not knowing what the heck I was doing. I won, right? Did I actually beat you? Did I get the beginner's luck? Uh, yeah, because you had the inside track. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. I was thoroughly impressed. So There's a lot of depth in that game when you consider how little you have to do every round. Yeah, yeah. You just sort of, you know, you choose your cards, you do your thing, and then, yeah, you, it's just kind of this weird guessing game where you're trying to figure out what your opponents are up to. And, yeah, uh, yeah you know, it's, uh, it's impressive. But it works. Yeah. I, I, I want to play it with more people because... The two-player game seems to sell it short. You need to you need to have more, I think. And then you and I played Scythe with Ray and Brendan, but I guess we'll have to get back to that later. 
Yes, we will be discussing that later because that is uh, our deep dive, uh, but not just any version of Scythe. I mean, I don't know about you, just just point blank. I thought the game held up. We, hey, you're getting ahead of the deep dive. Save it for the deep dive. P- pluck that thought out of your head and put it in a little jar and then you can huff it later, okay? I need to huff something right now. My head hurts so bad. <clears throat> Moving right along. Uh, so Brendan informed us that he played the lovely, lovely game. I do not know what year it was made in. The uh, Murder, She Wrote board game, which was released sometime. So in the- I would have played the living daylights out of that. He said it was like Clue, <laughs> which, you know, okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was funny. He has a he has a weird fascination about that about that whole thing. He was asking like, where can I stream it? And I, I found it, but it's like on some sort of like internet cable service that's twenty bucks a month. And I'm like, I don't think it's worth doing that to just get murder. She wrote. I, I'll never forget when, because um, you know, growing up in Southern California, you hit the theme parks pretty often, and I'll never forget going to Universal Studios for the first time and realizing, oh, dude. A large chunk of Murder, She Wrote is obviously filmed here because I remember all these sets. Yeah, yeah. And Cabot's Cove has like the per capita murder capital of like the universe, apparently. So many people die in that little town. (laughs) Well, and then the funny thing is that's where Jaws jumps out of the water. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. jumped out of the water because I think Jaws is done. True, true, true. So what else have you been playing, sir? Uh, let's see. Board game wise. Let's talk about board games. Uh, what have I been playing? Um, I lost my place. Oh, uh, I had a chance to play patchwork. Mm. Um, that was part of that, uh, humble bundle. Okay. And I played, uh, I taught, uh, one of the kids how to play patchwork and we played it and had a lot, a lot of fun. Um, and man, the digital implementation of that, first of all, it's obviously from the phone because it says tap here to start. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Even though I was playing on the PC, uh, but more importantly, it is a perfect uh, digital implementation of that game. Well done. Well, well done. Nice. If you haven't played Patchwork, we, I think we talked about it on the show before. It's just a, a bunch of little cloth pieces that you are putting together to make a quilt. Uh, and there's some mechanics around that. And, but it's a, a fantastic two-player game from... Uh, well, the, the, the normal version is from Mayfair, but the uh, digital version is from Asmodee Digital. Cool. Okay. And then um, because of the COVID, uh, a bunch of my coworkers and I have decided to start a weekly uh, board game uh, playing time. And so I taught a bunch of them how to play Mysterium. And we played Mysterium over Tabletop Simulator, which was fantastic fun. Oh, nice. What, 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 what day is this? Was I busy that night? No, this is during the day. During the day. Um, uh, at the end of the week uh, on Friday afternoons, uh, we have it open to a bunch of people and... Um, whoever comes comes and if not no big deal and we we sit there and chit chat and play a board game it's super fun okay and uh like we said earlier some flam rouge um and then brendan was kind enough to show me after i taught him how to play flam rouge he taught me how to play a carl chuddock game called motainai hmm. uh, which is based off of glory to rome if you've ever heard of that and this is a game it's only 54 cards but each card has multiple functions depending on where it's played and man, there's some crazy depth to that game. Hmm, okay. It's a noodle twister. Uh, even though from a, a, a basic gameplay standpoint, there's really not a whole lot to it. Uh, but from a, a depth standpoint, there is so much going on in that game, man. Hmm. So much going on. 
And yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, the board games I've been playing, which means that you actually played about 40% of the games that I played. Oh my. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's my board games. How about uh, movies and TV? Uh, I haven't been mentioning it in the last couple episodes, but I have continued to watch The Simpsons. I'm now very deep into the long stretch of the series that I've never watched before. It's weird how much Family Guy clearly stole <laughs> from the... Uh, from the Simpsons because like there was this section of the Simpsons that was getting oddly offensive, you know, where they were, they were doing really kind of crass, mean humor. And that must've been right around when family guy came out because they've recently started picking on family guy, like little gags about, you know, like that there was this wanted poster and it said wanted for plagiarism. And there was a picture of Peter Griffin on it. Uh, (laughs) It popped up in the background and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. Little, little weird. And uh, it, it's kind of nice because clearly in like response to Family Guy, they've been shifting their humor a little bit to being not so offensive for offensive sake because I, I've gotten really tired of that humor. It has well past played out. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It continues to be interesting. It's uh, it's funny. I, I read about stuff on the internet, like on the wikis, and appa- apparently some episodes are very controversial because they break the Simpsons canon. And I'm like, if you're really concerned about the Simpsons canon where they've clearly never aged and yet have had at least a dozen Christmas episodes now, it, it's like it's like a Basil Exposition in uh, in Austin Powers three. You know, it's like just just don't worry about it and, and enjoy the ride. Like that that's all you need to do. But yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but it's it's interesting because like, you know, grandpa in the early seasons, they talk about him being a World War II vet and like they've kind of shifted that to uh, the Korean War and all the dates keep kind of like sliding, you know, like Homer and Marge. Uh, there, there's episodes where they mention them kind of being teenagers or fair, like young without kids in the 80s. And, you know, it was very clear in the early seasons that they were early 70s, late 60s kids. And yeah, it's just kind of it's kind of funny watching that. And it's like, yeah, you know. They're, they're in weird, like, Marvel time, you know, where it's just, you know, it's always now, somehow. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I mean, you know, with all cartoons, it's like as much as things change, they stay the same. Yeah, yeah. What, what's crazy is if you watch the evolution of the models. Mm-hmm. Like, they have changed so much over the years. Well, they have and they haven't. They changed a lot in, like, the first, like, five to seven years, and then they just get really fixed. <laughs> It's it's interesting too. Like they're like a, a lot of the most recent episodes in season seventeen or eighteen I've been watching have been really making a big deal about Homer wanting a plasma screen television and you know a big widescreen high definition one, and uh, it's like oh that's kind of funny. I remember when that was a big deal. You know they're talking about the the distant future of Blu-ray players and whatnot. It's uh, it's kind of funny, and like the jokes have gotten uh, like Britney Spears and stuff from you know like you know stuff I remember being. Actually, this is depressing. They're making jokes about Britney Spears and stuff, which was things that I clearly remember happening in my 20s when I wasn't a kid anymore, you know, and talking about the kids' pop culture. And I'm like, oh, man, it, like, outgrew me. I feel old because I have clearly moved from, you know, the, the, the pop culture stuff of Bart and Lisa being what I remember when I was a kid to this is the stuff that is even, you know, the, the, the parents. I've become Homer and Marge. It's upsetting. <laughs> Dope. Is it, though? Is it or is it just... Our destiny. I don't know. Yeah, true, true. And uh, for some reason, I randomly watched Serenity the other day. I don't know why. My wife got stars because of Outlander, and Outlander finished up, and I realized, oh my god, I'm about to lose stars for like a year because there's no reason to subscribe to it. 
And uh, so I've been like going through and trying to find whatever they have that I can't stream elsewhere. And yeah, I, oh, Serenity. I'm going through the same thing with CBS All Access. Have you watched Twilight Zone yet on that? I, I, I was just thinking no, about that, that today. That'll be next. Okay. I've got to go through. Um, we'll talk about this when we get to, to TV. But yeah, I've still got a couple things. We're on movies and TV. Talk about it now. I'm done. Uh, yeah, so I, I got CBS All Access because they were offering a free month and I figured, Hey, you know, why not? I've been meaning to get into Picard. I've been meaning to get into discovery and now's as good a time as any. Um, so I started watching them and, uh, I'm now realizing that once I get through, uh, discovery Picard and twilight zone, I'm really going to have no reason because the rest of CBS's programming doesn't speak to me apparently because I'm under 70. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, one of their original series is nuts. Um, it's called, I think it's, is it Fallen Angel or something? Uh, I, I I meant to start watching it last time we had it and I forgot. Uh, but it's it's the true story about a guy who um, was like a rocket scientist after World War II. Like uh, he, he wasn't German, but there's German characters on there from Operation Paperclip. And, uh, and he's trying to build rockets to, you know, go to the moon and all that in the 50s. And also he happens to belong to a, I don't want to say satanic because I don't think they worship Satan, but there's some definitely some dark rituals there, but it is definitely a sex cult and it's a true story. And it's, uh, the, the show is just weird because it's about now it's a party. It's about rocket scientists and a, and a sex cult. And it's a true story. Like the guy, the show's about is a real person. And yes, he did belong to a sex cult. So there you go. <laughs> I feel like it's the name of a band. Rocket Rocket Science's Sex Cult. Yeah, yeah. That's a good band name. After That's what I said. Yeah. I feel like it should be a band. Yeah. So anyway, where where are you at? Uh you were you were complaining at me about the first season of Discovery, and I was just telling you to power through it. Like just power through it, man. You just okay, you gotta so watch it. Here, you just gotta watch here's it. The, the vast majority of the first season of Discovery is, to be frank, a hot mess. Yeah, hot, yeah, hot mess. yes, agreed. It's all over the place yes. tonally. The characters don't have any salient arcs, uh, and most importantly, it doesn't feel like friggin' Star Trek, not even remotely. Right? Just because you stick a bunch of people in a ship and send them around the galaxy doesn't mean that you can slap the Star Trek name on it. There are there are certain aspects of that of that series that need to be captured for it to be a Star Trek. Show. I completely agree. Now, there there are two major plot twists near the end. One of which is the stupidest thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life on a science fiction we, 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 we can talk and about it. It's, 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 it's over a year old. Spoiler alerts for season one of Discovery. Go. What, what? Yeah, if you haven't watched season one of Discovery, maybe just like go ahead a couple minutes. But yeah, the, the first one with the, the guy who's a Klingon, but he's a human and like, I, I don't know. Okay, you know what? I, I just sat there and when they revealed it and I looked at the TV and I said, are, are, but that goes, I can't help that goes it, Robert. Straight. I'm sorry. Are you... F- kidding me that goes That's straight back said. to the original series because uh the trouble triples episode that was about a klingon he was surgically altered to look human and yeah i know and, but and the ds9 like the greatest episode of D- ds9 ever uh, more uh, is it more trials and tribulations or whatever where they go back in time and have to interact with kirk and all that that was because they hired the same actor <laughs> who went back in time to stop kirk from exposing him as being a klingon who is surgically altered to look human like that's that's all canon that's from way way yeah. back yeah, that's great. And in, in, in those shows, it works. But you know where it didn't work? This show. It didn't work because it wasn't sold properly. And it was just a joke. Yeah, it was It was weird. I agree. I, I'm not going to defend season one of Discovery. It's it's a hot mess. Like, it's not. Like, like, but, but Jonathan. Here's the thing with, with any show that, that's going to do, like, a, a big, you know, dramatic reveal like that. You have to, 
you have to invest in it, right? You can't just like say all of a sudden, oh yeah, we're we're doing dramatic reveal today. Hey, you know, like this thing happened. It doesn't work like that. You have to earn it, and they didn't earn it. All right, Jonathan. So so knowing all this, and we'll get to the second plot twist later, which is a little bit better. I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Yeah, yeah, that was great, especially because you know what? They earned it. You know why they earned it? Because they planted little seeds throughout the entire freaking season. And when you go back and watch some of his dialogue from the rest of the, from the rest of the season, you're like, well, yeah, yeah, that they, they telegraphed the hell out of that punch. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and yet uh, you never saw it coming. What, what we're talking about is uh, commander Lorca, right? That's his name. Lorca. Lorca. Yeah. He's uh, he's from the mirror universe. He's from the evil parallel universe. That's why he's been kind of ruthless and evil the whole season, which, yeah. Okay. Jonathan. So let me, let me, let me tell you this as, of a mess as season one of discovery is. And I hated it. Do not like, we almost didn't watch season two. That's how much we hated it. And I got it near the end of its run on CBS all access. I, I talked to my wife into getting a month because I was like, I've been hearing that it's gotten much better. And I'm curious now. Cause I've been hearing really good things. Season two of discovery is really good. Like legitimately oh, no, save the show. It's legit good. Yeah. It's friggin' great. Star Trek. It's great. Science fiction. It's everything that was missing from season one, frankly. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's positive. Like, oh, so you're in season two right now? I'm yeah, I'm on episode eleven. Oh wow, you're deep into it. Yeah, isn't Captain Pike amazing? Yeah, well, maybe I just got sucked in. And yeah, Captain Pike's the best thing to happen to a Star Trek show since Picard. Yeah, I'm saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's he's one of the best captains in the in the whole series. Yeah, he's he's all the bravado of Kirk. Without any of the toxic masculinity. That's exact. Okay, this is funny. So we'll get to this in a year in a life. I was talking about this a year ago, literally. <laughs> I just listened to that episode. And I was talking about how Captain Pike is 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 perfect because he's Kirk, except he doesn't have the 1960s garbage. You know? He's cultured Kirk. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's awesome. He's measured Kirk. And you know what I loved about him? He's, he's Kirk that can say a sentence without pregnant pauses. Just... <laughs> What, what I loved about him is he's on a science boat. He knows he's on a science boat. And so when science boat stuff comes up, he defers to the rest of the crew, you know, because he's like, this is not my thing. Oh, that's that's his be- that's the best part about him. He's he's clearly uh, not a man that understands every single aspect of the ship. He's not Picard. Yeah, he's. He the, the the greatest pieces of dialogue that they give him are when he does stuff like when they come out of warp and he says, where's my big red ball? I'm supposed to have a big red ball or, you know, things like that. It's just it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, he's well written. He's well executed. And my God, the reverence they play to the single friggin episode that he was in. Yeah. In the original series, like hats off to the writers, man, like legitimately hats off to the writers. They even make Spock a better character. Yeah. Yeah. And like the the big like, uh, uh, well, no spoilers because you haven't gotten there yet. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's a real good season. Like I was very impressed. I like the way that uh, that Pike, uh, you know, that he he was just he was a good leader when he was out of his depth and the people around him. He like the people around him are there for a reason, and he would he would say, "Okay, like handle this. You know what you're doing." Yep. You know, like it was, it was so well written. Like, you know, it was when he needed to do the, the things he needed to do because it was the the mission that he was there for. He took over and he, but he would listen to other people and, but he'd still do his own thing. Like he was like the best captain I've ever seen in a Star Trek show. Like I, I, the only reason Picard and Kirk are probably better than him is because he's only going to be in one episode or one season 
so we don't get seven seasons of him. Because, like, command style-wise... They're talking about... uh, There's, like, heavy rumors that he's getting his own show. He should. It would be a great show. I, I really like the uh, the actor too, uh, Ansel Ansel Mount. I think is yeah, Ansel, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Anson. Yeah. He he was in a show called uh, Hell on Wheels, uh, all about uh, building the railroads, which was jaw droppingly good. Yeah, no, he he's he's great, and Rebecca Romaine as uh, number one, and the guy I've only briefly seen. Her. Yeah, she she pops up more at the end of the show, and then yeah, the guy who plays Spock is is just they're all really good, like. And the guy who plays Spock is much more copying uh, Spock from the recent reboot movies than, you know, Leonard Nimoy, but whatever. <laughs> you know, I, you can't. It's fine. Yeah. It works. Yeah, no. It works. It's, and the character arc works. Yeah, and I like I like that this is a Spock where, like, where you see Spock in the original series, Spock is older and much more, like, sure of himself, you know? He's kind of, like, found himself in a weird way, you know? Mm-hmm. But this is a Spock mm-hmm. who has not found himself yet. He is still very green, and he's still sort of figuring out what it means to be Spock. <laughs> you know, he's still figuring out what it means to be Starfleet. Yeah, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens in season three. But they they got me back on that. They got me back. Like I I will watch season three when it comes out, and I will have that you know the streaming service for three months and watch episodes weekly for season. Oh three. yeah, no, I I will gladly give them the money for the next season without a doubt. By the way, did you hear what's going to happen with CBS All Access? No. Sometime this year, it is poof going to go away and be rebranded as Paramount's uh, streaming service, which will still have Star Trek on it, but also have Paramount movies and whatnot because paramount is now starting a streaming service because there's only you know a dozen of them why why not have one more a dozen oh you're much too kind <laughs> it's stupid how many streaming services there are. yeah 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 oh i i'm still i i haven't pulled the trigger yet but i'm still gonna get a month of freaking the criterion correction collection streaming service because i found out that movie until the end of the world is only on that because i can't get it from my library right now because they have it at the library but the library's closed thanks covid but yes now i get to thanks rona yeah all right well what else have you been watching we've been sorry we've been geeking out in star trek hard oh man i could go on and on about uh star trek but um no that's pretty much have you done Uh, discovery yet or or sorry picard no that's next okay then you're gonna do twilight zone I can't wait to talk to yeah. you about Twilight Zone. I actually, I don't, well, well, we'll talk about Twilight Zone when we get there. It's good. It's good. I don't think it ever, I don't ever think it hit the highs that the really good Twilight Zone did, but I don't also think it hit the lows that old Twilight Zone occasionally got to. Oh my God. All, all of all of the episodes I think are solid, like in the five to seven range out of 10. Okay. That's solid. That's, that's, that's watchable. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, none of them More are bad. I can say for the first season of discovery. Oh crap. No, no. God. Discovery season one was bad. Yeah, no, it's legit terrible. And you need to like, watch, I mean, you honestly, need to watch it. Had, had, had you and a couple other folks not told me that season two got so much better. I would have never watched it. Yeah. But you have to watch it because season two brings up a lot of that junk. You know, it like builds off of it. And it builds a much yeah, but it it makes it mean something. I know, right? <laughs> like it, it fixes a lot of it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, anyway, anyway, what else have you been watching? Uh, what else have I been watching? Not much else. The only other thing that we've really watched is we watched the the Bad Boys Three. Is that the new one, the latest one, Bad Boys for Life? Yeah, that's the one that just Bad Boys for Life. That's what it's called. Oh. It's not Bad Boys Three. It's Bad Boys for Life. You know what it should have been called? What? Uh, we should have stopped at two because this was a bad friggin' idea. No. It, it's somehow so bad 
that it, it makes Martin Lawrence and Will Smith doing their 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 constant berating of one another annoying and terrible. That's impressive. That's upsetting too. I liked Bad Boys too. Like I saw it in the theaters and I was very happy because it was such a throwback to like eighties action movies. Yeah, that's what made the Bad Boys movies fun is what a throwback they were. Yeah. So so what's Bad Boys Three channeling? Um, I don't know. Crap. Oh wow. Harsh, Jonathan. I don't know what else to say. Like, here's the problem with well, one of the many problems with the film, but it's 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 got a terrible pacing issue. It's all over the place. It's moving at Mach 10, and then it's it's moving at the speed of of, of molasses in January after being hit by by liquid nitrogen. It's just oh man, and it, it the, the plot is nonsensical and. None of it makes any sense. It's just, it's bad. It's just plain bad. Wow. Not even the action set pieces are good. Because, you know, Michael Bay didn't direct this one. Yeah, I know. Because say what you will about Michael Bay. I'll trash Michael Bay all day long. I despise him. He's not a good human, and he's a really crap director. But he can make an action set piece sing. I'll give him that. (laughs) This doesn't even have that. Wow. Harsh. I like it. All right. Yeah, it was not good. If you if you thought Bad Boys 3 was good, I would love to hear your opinion because, I don't know, maybe I was just in a bad mood when I watched it, but it was just terrible. And I really enjoyed the first two movies, which is not to say that they're good because they're both atrocious films. Yeah. But they're fun. Yes. They're, they're fun. This isn't even fun. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on to RPGs. Uh, we played another game of Scion. And it was fun. We had a really good time. Uh, I did not r- realize the level of super heroic antics that you could get into in that movie or in that movie in that in that role playing game. So my guy has a big giant hammer of the gods that he got as a gift from his divine father, I guess. And then Gina's character, if you remember, is a washed up uh, a member that was on a Super Sentai series and that got canceled, and uh, she had to move back or she had to move to Colorado after getting fired out of Hollywood because the money ran out. And uh, so we were fighting the, uh, the the football team because reasons. And Gina's character totally did like a awesome <clears throat> like kung fu move and just knocked a guy clean out in one kick, you know, like Power Ranger style. Oh, and we figured out her Power Ranger show, if I remember correctly, is Ultra Gauntlet, uh, Ultra Gile, Ultra Gauntlet Super Five. She was the yellow Super Five of the Ultra Gauntlet. You know, like I want to accuse you of making something that doesn't spin in reality but that's such a brilliant freaking name <laughs> anyway um so then the other guy she, the other football player she was uh fighting tackled her and knocked her to the ground got a really good hit on her and like was pinning her down so i came up with my hammer and since we decided that this was going to be a buffy show and we, we weren't going to like murder people on the high school football team uh instead of just whacking him with my hammer and probably utterly destroying him i like used my hammer like a shovel and I scooped him up and just flung him off of her and I rolled well enough. And according to the rules, I flung him 25 feet. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, that is, that is the super heroic level of that show. And it was awesome because he was kind of a a minion. Um, I did, I basically did, uh, he had two hit points, right? And so I did the one point, I basically did two points of damage. So what he literally did when he landed was he did the Power Rangers thing where he lands, he gets up and collapses because yes, I, I knocked him out after throwing him 25 feet after scooping him up with my shovel. And then Gina, uh, 
jump kicked the last football player uh, that we were fighting and she rolled absurdly well. So she did a very similar thing where her running in and jump kicking, you know, a little, little tiny teenage girl jump kicking a big old crazy football goon. uh, She threw him back uh, about 15 feet after a jump kick. And I'm like, yeah, seems appropriate (laughs) for a power ranger. That's, that's probably correct. So yeah, Yeah, I'll allow it. Yeah. So yeah, we had good times. Uh, the, the football team was digging up a dead body at the graveyard because the president of the student council uh, asked them to. So we are we will investigate that next time. That's the kind of crap that I'd imagine my city council would do. Shh. Well, you need super heroic teenagers to fight them because that is the game we are playing. By the way, every other Thursday, if you want to see the best telenovela on TV, uh, just tune into the uh, city council meetings for Cedar Park, Texas. They are... Uh, they are a hoot. The last one uh, broke into a screaming match uh, and ended when the mayor had to mute everybody in the room, scream out, we're taking a 10-minute recess, and then shutting the meeting off. Nice. Nice. Was it you and that city council guy that you hate? Oh, no. I I, I don't engage with them. I say my comments and I, I back off. I do what I'm supposed to. I get my three minutes. I keep my comments under three minutes and I move move right along. No, this was the city council people to the city council people. Oh, yeah. Nice. It was amazing. One called one an asshole and then the other one called her a shit. And the mayor was desperately trying to say, like, we, we need to be nice to each other. And then it just devolved into screaming. It was amazing. Nice. Nice. All right, so what have you been reading? Uh, I'm still working my way through The Wiseman, uh, which I think I talked to you a little about last episode. Yes. Um, what am I? About 150 pages in, something like that. It's an 800-page book, and it's kind of a, a larger volume. So each page is like 135, 140% of what you would find in a standard paperback. Nice. It's very interesting. These guys led some very interesting lives. Man, stuff has changed. Yeah. Also, that Skull and Bone Society is weird. They talk a lot about it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's frightening how many politicians have come out of Skull and Bones. Like, like if you want, if you want real life conspiracies, people... You know, this like COVID was made in a lab or whatever. No, nah, that's nonsense. Yeah, what? No, Skull and Bones is what you should be paying attention to. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let's see if the internet could tell me. Oh, here we go. List of Skull and Bones members. Goes back to the 1830s, this list does. Good times. Good times. What, what year should I start with? Let's do modern history. We'll start in the 40s. Uh, anybody jumping out? George H.W. Bush. There you go. Bush, Bush Sr., the fifties, William F. Buckley Jr. Bush Senior always creeped me out because he was one of the only presidents who exercised his right to uh, continue to get CIA briefs after leaving office. Mm-hmm. It was a different time, man. Let me tell you, like just the lives that these guys led were amazing. If you're at all into American history uh, or politics, this is this is worth a read. And by the way, if you want to read more about the uh, conspiracy theory, the other conspiracy theory you should actually be paying attention to is uh, the the it, it's called the Bohemian Grove. There's a lovely little Wikipedia article about it. Um, but yes, read about the Bohemian Grove. That is actually what you should be paying attention to instead of, you know, all this nonsense that COVID's fake and somehow it's fake. Somehow it was made in a lab. 
you know, pandemic nonsense, whatever. Oh, yeah. God. Did you hear that that, that that has been so disproven that they've actually now removed it off of social media platforms? No. Yeah, YouTube and Facebook both uh, hit yield remove. Yeah, yeah. Which they don't do for anything. But yeah, no, legit, there's a giant owl statue. And yes, they they do rights in front of the giant owl statue. And and we're talking like presidents here, people. Like actual people in our governance doing rituals in front of a, you know, dare I say pagan owl statue outside of San Francisco, California. I'm just saying probably should pay attention to that more than the nonsense on the internet because this is the stuff they actually don't like talking about i'm just saying given there's a wikipedia page on it what do you want what's weird is how devoted these guys were like they would be on the tail end of their careers on the tail end of their lives and still constantly talking about it Mm-hmm. yeah skull and bones man actually should be paying attention to that all sides of the political aisle a lot of them were in a secret society a lot of them spend time in coffins doing their thing, telling each other their secrets as part of their initiations. Everybody hears it. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, oh, I found out that the the new Craig Allenson book will be out uh, in June. Uh, it's the n- next book in the Mavericks season, series. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. I, I don't know. This guy's writing, you know, four books a year. I, I it's It's astounding. I don't know how he keeps this up. By the way, do you want to talk about Okay, so sorry, this is segueing. Uh, there's a guy named Matt Forbeck. He he's a game writer and he writes novels. Um, you can look him up. He's written way too much stuff to talk about. He's fairly prolific. It's impressive how much that dude writes. So uh, in our gaming circles, everybody knows him. He worked on Deadlands and some other stuff. Uh, he has how many how many ki- children do you think that guy has, sir? I mean, like, are we talking Ray levels or me? He had quadruplets. Four. Oh. Four in one go. No, no. Yeah. I, I believe those are his only children. Well, he tweeted out the other day, and I'm like, oh, my God, this must be mind-blowing. His kids are going away to college next year, right? So going from a house with four kids in it to nothing, like, they're going to buy a couple of dogs. I'm just, I'm just calling it now. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some empty nesting going on there. Either that or he's going to even get more prolific. Yeah, I don't know how that dude doesn't. Like, that guy writes a lot. It's it's impressive how much stuff he writes. Anyway. Dude, it's the same with Allenson. Like, it's not like his books are tiny either. Yeah. These these are large books. Well, cool. Well, keep us posted, Jonathan. Dude, like, if you can get Craig Allenson on the show, like, A, I'll owe you because I would really like to talk to him about his books. But B, I mean... Just like I just want to ask him how he's so damn prolific. More than anything, you're a producer too. You you contact him. I know, but you have so you have more free time than I do. No, I don't. I'm I'm homeschooling and taking care of twins. Yeah, we're doing that too. Yeah, but I'm the Jessica in this in this thing. You uh, yes, you can write them too. You're a big boy. Put on your big boy pants and go and go write your favorite author, honey. Uh, I would say favorite. That's that's a stretch. I'll, I'll give. I just really enjoy. I'll give you a cookie. I'll send you a loaf of my delicious sourdough bread. By the way, the sourdough bread that I was worried about being awful last episode, it turned out amazing, even though it was a little dense. And I've learned. I've also made another loaf that I thought would turn out bad. It's kind of hard to screw up bread because bad bread isn't that bad. It's just a little dense, and it's not light and fluffy, and it's amazing anyway. And I made another loaf, Jonathan, and it was really good. And I've been eating sandwiches made out of my own bread. And I feel like a wizard making deliciousness out of basic elements. I mean, you kind of are. Yeah. A little bit. 
out of the, out of the air itself. Anyway, okay. I'll give you, you wizard status. Nice. All right, so okay, well, we're gonna end this segment with video games because we're running out of time. So I'll go. Uh, I'll go. Uh, I'll go. Video games. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Go for it. Um, I don't know. I haven't been playing anything new. I was playing Breath of the Wild until that I, I had a really bad night because of uh, I, I mentioned I don't think I mentioned on the podcast, but we, we had a defective controller and that defective controller killed my poor Link several times in a, a, a challenging puzzle room. And I got frustrated and I haven't played it for a week because I got so mad. But I've been playing Animal Crossing. I guess we technically beat the game because like the last event that happens on your island. How do you beat an Animal Crossing game? Is the the dog, the KK dog, whatever his name is, he comes and does a concert on your island and we but you have to do certain things to make that happen and uh we achieve that level. Now the game doesn't end cuz we can keep messing around with the island and doing stuff and there's year long content, but yes, we 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 have reached the maximum potential of unlocking stuff and so now we can build paths and whatnot it's good times and yeah that mario kart 8 and zelda i haven't been playing much else i've been full mario kart 8's been around a while yeah 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 been playing tabletop simulator there's no changes right no no it's uh the the switch version just comes with all of the dlc from the wii u version (laughs) so it's the game this should have been on day one Dude, I know. No. Okay, so they had two DLC packs, and each of those DLC packs added in two, like, Grand Prix, you know? So four more, so eight more tracks that you can race in, in groupings of four. So even, like, when I saw that there were, like, 12, you know, races you could do in that game, I was amazed. Because I'm coming from, the last one I played was the, the GameCube one, which only had five. So, you know, six in the base game with another you know, four is still fairly impressive. So I will, I will give them credit for that. It's a fun game. My boys like watching it. They make me play Daisy for some reason right now. They're really in love with Daisy. I, I, I don't understand why I don't know what Daisy means to them, but whatever. Apparently the world. Yeah. Although sometimes they want, they want me to race as daddy. Cause I, I made my me look like me. So I, I race as the, the, the me person sometimes. <laughs> That makes me happy that they want that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they want mommy too. Sometimes it's been Daisy a lot lately. Um, and I hurt my knee, so I haven't even been playing Just Dance because my my knee. I, hurt, I I have such the old man injury, Jonathan. I hurt my knee homeschooling because I was just sitting wrong. And my knee is like, well, now I'm just not going to work. And so I, I had to buy like a new knee brace. And it's been like slowly See, I can't getting better. I anything about that because I hurt my knee last week uh, sitting on my ass working at home. Yeah. Yeah, just you're sitting wrong. I just, I, yeah, I was sitting wrong and I stood up and it was sore and I groaned and then it just didn't work right the rest of the week. Yeah, yeah. I thought I could take off my knee thing today uh, and I actually went to the store and without it. Is that a tactical error? That was a tactical error. It, it didn't get worse, but it was like, no, we're not ready yet, Robert. And I'm like, okay, okay. Came back and put it on. <laughs> we tried. We tried. That's, that's, that's what you have to tell your knee. We tried. Yeah, we tried. It was fine. And and it wasn't like things went bad. It was just we're not ready yet. Just you know, use the crutch a little bit longer. I'm like, okay, we'll we'll try again in two days. <laughs> oh man, getting old sucks so much. Yes, just so much. Okay, okay, come on, focus, Jonathan. Apex, Gears of War Tactics, go. All right, so video games. Uh, been continuing to play Apex. The season's over. Uh, new season begins next Tuesday. So the day after this episode comes out. I mean, legit, if you play Apex Legends on the Xbox, hit me up. We'll play. It's super fun. The new Gears of War Tactics came out, and I have been playing that because I've got Xbox Game Pass, and it is fantastic. 
it's amazing because it's a tactics game. So it feels like an XCOM or something like that. But it's a Gears of War game, and it totally feels like a Gears of War game. And its cover is really important, and it looks really good, and it's a great freaking game. I'm having a good time with it. Nice. I picked up Streets of Rage 4 because that came out since the last episode. And let me tell you what a stroke of brilliance that game is. That is the single best thing to happen to video games this year. It is amazing. Let me ask you a question. nailed it. So my wife uh, is a button masher. Could she button mash with me and Eowyn? Hell yeah. Okay. Hell yes, they could. And I've already beaten it like four times. Uh, you have to understand, I played the living daylights out of Streets of Rage growing up because uh, I was a Genesis kid. Yeah. And so for me, it's a return to form. Like, I can't believe that this is a modern game because as, as much as it looks like a modern game, it feels like an older game. Yeah, like the it, it's a beat em up game like Final Fight or that genre. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and they nailed it, and they did such a good job. I'm just, it's so impressive what they did. Nice. Did you hear the new story mode for Mortal Kombat 11 came out? By the way, the, like the DLC. Oh man, I need to download that now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because I've got I've got Mortal Kombat 11. I played the daylights out of it. Yeah, yeah. There's I don't know if it adds in. Oh no, it adds in RoboCop. it's downloading i'll have a report by the end of the show (laughs) did you buy the dlc too i have all the dlc i bought the season pass no no this is this is separate fine done sold like i i love that mortal kombat game that game was so good I, i we talked about it on the show yeah yeah Oh, oh, uh, it's not out yet. I'm sorry. Well, you'll have to brush up. It's releasing on May 26th. That's right around the corner. That just gives me a chance to get uh, get my skill set back because it's been a minute. Yeah, but the uh, yeah the next guest character is Robo- Robocop, which I'm totally down with. Like, <laughs> I mean, the Terminator character is super fun to play. Why not Robocop? Uh, it's a new epilogue storyline for MK11. Blah 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 blah. It's an epilogue story? Yep. Dude, the story was so freaking good in that game. Yeah. And now you will have more story. I mean, how often did I talk to you about that? Yeah, yeah. I I watched someone play it. It was fun. Oh, wait. So you you watched the entire story at this point? I watched pieces of it. Did you get to the big twist? Yes, I got to the big twist. How freaking awesome was that? I I saw after that. I I, I probably just need to set it in easy and just do it myself. I I probably should do that. But yeah, it'll have the wind god Fujin and the Shokin warrior Shiva along with Robocop. Shiva's going to be back? All four arms and everything? Yeah. Oh, dude, now I'm stoked. I'm legitimately stoked. (laughs) So there you go. It's been a long time since we've had one of the the, the big guys like Goro. Yeah. Which I kind of get because they, they've got to be a pain in the rear to balance out, you know, with the forearms. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, it should be 40 bucks. And they're going to have a thing that'll buy the expand that and all of the DLC uh, for 60, including the base game, apparently. So there you go. That's a fair price. Well, Jonathan, there you go. My gift from me to you. You're welcome. So tell me about Warhammer Inquisitor, because that's your last thing. Oh, just it was on Stupid Sale on Steam. It plays like Diablo, except it's in the Warhammer universe, and it's fun. Yeah, I, I wish it had some more flexibility to the class 
I wish I had some more flexibility to the, the way it grows, but I mean, I paid like $8 for it, so I've really got nothing to complain about. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. That's it. So, uh, do we miss anything? I think that's it, yeah. No, I think we're good. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our first segment, and it is now time for a quick break, and when we return, it will be time for our Wisdom of Crowds. And I've actually got news. i got two little ones and two big ones, so there you go. Hey, hi. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Welcome back. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. This is, of course, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment, and because it's the middle of the year, we actually have news. Lots of it today. So, I'm in on the Kickstarter, and you should be in on the Kickstarter, too. So, yes, Mage 20th Anniversary Edition Technocracy Reloaded is on Kickstarter currently. Uh, It is funded. I backed it. It, You play, like, government agents fighting wizards and vampires and stuff. Sounds fun. And if you know your mage lore, yes, you are playing the bad guys. But are they really bad? Probably. But are they really bad? Maybe. Yes. No. <laughs> but yes. I have the original version of this book, uh, the La Femme Nikita TV series. They said that's kind of a, a main inspiration of it. So yeah, you know, conspiracy horror. What do you know? I like it. Surprising. Mage 20, Technocracy Reloaded. Check it out. It's on Kickstarter. Jonathan. Aiello has a couple of new releases that they've announced for June and July. The first is definitely a little more aimed at kids. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing Sticky Chameleons with the kids, which comes with... You you remember when you were young, you you could get those gummy hands that stretched out and stuck to stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So it comes with those, except they're shaped like tongues, and you throw out a bunch of of, uh, uh, cards... Or, uh, pardon me, of chits... And those are different bugs. And then your chameleon is trying to eat those bugs by you slapping down the, the thing from afar and, and trying to bring it home. Nice. You can even ninja it and slap another player's uh, tongue and steal it from their tongue. Yeah, didn't you? But you played that, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's an old one. So so they've got a new game kind of on a, a similar vein coming out. It's called Superfly, which is also an awesome name for a game. And it's a game of competitive fly swatting. Nice. So you got a, a bunch of cards laid out on the table, and on the count of three, everybody uses their... It comes with fly swatters, which is amazing. And it's got a die inside of it, and you um, smack the card of your choice, and <laughs> it's just so ridiculous that you just try to try to get all the bugs. Nice, nice. Can you play in, like, hard mode, and they have, like, chopsticks so you can do, like, the Mr. Miyagi? <laughs> oh, that would be dope. I don't know, man. I would totally pick this up if I saw it, though. I would pick it up in a heartbeat. Uh, They've also got a couple other games coming out. One's called Flash 8, uh, which is a quick-paced game of elections and currents. Uh, It's based on an older game, but uh, unfortunately the press release did not list what that older game was, so I don't know what it was. If you know, go ahead and post it in in the Facebook group so I can can find out. And then finally they've got another game coming out called Mia London. Hmm. Uh, and it's uh, kind of similar to Guess Who, I guess, would be the closest thing that I can think of. Uh, but you are um, trying to identify a scoundrel uh, based on a booklet of identities that you have in front of you. And you're using a, a, a bunch of questioning techniques, kind of like Guess Who. Nice. Okay. 
I can dig it. Well, there you go. Aiello's got three games coming out in June and July, and they're 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 maybe aimed at a slightly younger audience, but they're they all seem like they're going to be a really good time. So, Wizards of the Coast has officially delayed Mythic Odysseys of Theros, the new D anD D setting for Fifth Edition, based off of Theros, the Magic the Gathering world. I am sad. I was really looking forward to this. Uh, original release date was June 2nd. It has now been delayed to July 21st. For the physical product, it will still come out on July 2nd digitally. So to make up for that month of skippage, they are, quote, each participating WPN store will be able to provide a physical reference map for use with encounters and monsters in the book and unique codes to the first 20 fans who pre-order or buy Mythic Odysseys of Theros for 50% off the digital version on D&D Beyond. Now, uh, the article I read, it was not clear if I would be getting one of those maps. Like, there would be a map for everybody, or if it was a map for Adventurers League. I do not know. So I will tell you, because I still have that pre-ordered at my FLGS, so I will tell you on July, uh, July 21st when that book comes out, because I will get it that day. There's no way I'm not going to not get that that day. I'm very excited. I've got that metal cover of the, of the Hydra <laughs> coming. There you go. But, yes, COVID making the world a little worse for physical gaming. Who knew? Who would have thought? Thanks, COVID. Uh, next up, the op, formerly USAopoly. Uh, they have, of course, been in a partnership with Games Workshop for a while now, producing different variants of Talisman. Uh, last year, of course, was uh, Kingdom Hearts Talisman and um, Batman Talisman. And now their new Talisman game has been announced and that is Talisman Star Wars. Nice. Now, here's the problem. Only available in European, Middle Eastern, and African regions. What? So it's going to be, a, you're going to have to work at it to get it. Huh. The Star Wars universe is a difficult license. I would guess so. You are going to get to play as a bunch of Star Wars heroes and villains you're going to have access to Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, uh, Rey, Kylo Ren, Count Dooku, Obi-Wan Kenobi. They're all going to have awesome sculpted uh, custom pieces. Uh, the the cover art looks really fantastic, actually. It looks really cool. And so if you're a fan of Talisman or a fan of Star Wars, uh, your, your next goodness is coming. So as I mentioned in the last episode, I have been reading Onyx Path's latest role-playing game, uh, the Trinity Continuum RPG, and its first setting book, Aeon. Well, they have announced the next thing. Uh, they've already had a Kickstarter for Aberrant. This will be beyond that. It is called the, the Trinity Continuum Anima, and here's the copy. After the Aberrant War of the 2060s, there was The Crash, plunging parts of the world into a dystopian cyberpunk future. By 2084, many cities were rebuilt after the horrors of the crash, but people still flock to fantasy entertainment to forget the troubles of the world outside using a brain implant known as glass. The number one fantasy MMORPG, Terra Surge, uses glass to make the most immersive and exciting gaming experience available on the market, but top players end up missing or dead under mysterious circumstances. Players like you... So I am getting the sense that this is going to be the totally not ready player one slash cyberpunk version <laughs> of this game line, which I'm kind of surprised considering how big that book and the movie to an extent were how, how we haven't had a totally not that already. Yeah, that is kind of weird now that you say it, it, it when, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this will be coming to Kickstarter eh, soon. TM. 
Um, it's designed by a guy named Eddie Webb, who has done a lot of stuff for the Onyx Path, and he worked on a. He also works on mobile games like The Walking Dead: Our World, and he was one of the guys in charge of the World of Darkness MMO before it got canceled. Trinity Continuum Anima coming to Kickstarter sometime, but I'm excited. I because I like the Trinity Continuum. I don't know. There you go. Over to you, Jonathan. So remember a couple of years ago uh, when the the hotness at Gen Con was a little game by Emerson Matsuichi called Reef? Yes. That was in 2018. Well, now we're in 2020 and we're getting a second edition of the game. Uh, and the big change here is that it's going to have redesigned player boards with, with uh, an adjustment to the color palette to make it a bit more of a contrast uh, from the, the previous version. So in Reef, of course, that's a game uh, where everybody is a coral reef and you're trying to grow in beautiful colors and patterns. And uh, yeah, second edition will be available in August of this year. All right. And my final story is a fun little ditty. Hasbro uh, apparently announced that they were going to do some more cross-platforming with their various properties that they own and have the licenses to. You know, you because they got the G.I. Joe and the Transformers and the My Little Pony. And apparently they recently picked up Ghostbusters and the Power Rangers. And they've announced that they're going to kind of like dabble with, you know, some specialty toys that sort of mix and match these things. Well, the first one of these has gained fruit. Coming soon, My Little Pony, Cutie Marks and Dragons, a pony set featuring ponies that are iconic D&D player classes and a special D20 are coming out just for you. And me and everybody in this world. And it's adorable. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious what we're going to see out of this. Because like, what are they going to do? Are they going to do? Maybe we'll get the Ecto-1 Transformer out of this. Who knows? Who Have you seen knows? the pictures of the uh, Ghostbusters uh, My Little Pony? No, I have not. That's probably part of this because I, I, I read about it. Uh, it was on the uh, it was on the interwebs today. Oh, cool! So more more stuff is coming out. Yeah, this this is like five six days old at this point that I read it. So there you go, more stuff. But yeah, yeah, D and D and My Little Pony, a match made in somewhere. Hell, hell comes to mind. Not hell. <laughs> I'm kidding, but am I? No. Yes. No. No. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Kidding. kidding. No. You know it's not for me. I love you, bud. Uh, I'm glad that you find happiness in it. I, I just like friendship as magic because it's funny. I, the, the, so so this is how much I know about My Little Pony. The pony designs of this set look more like the classic pony designs from my when my wife was collecting My Little Pony back in the 80s. And those hold very little appeal to me because I like the friendship of magic, which is a little bit more anime inspired. So there you go. That's what happens when you have children. You start getting opinions about strange things like Caillou and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and My I Little Pony. Caillou so much. Everybody does, sir. Everybody does. I mean, you do raise a good point. I don't know that I've ever met a parent that enjoyed Caillou. <laughs> now, now, that, now that we're sitting here talking about it, I think it's fair to say I don't know that I've ever met a, a parent that actually enjoys Caillou. He's a little whiny bastard, man. Like, what do you want? <laughs> man, he sells his friends out. He's a... Not cool, man. No. No, I agree. I have no love or trust for Caillou. No, you shouldn't. It's that episode of title right there. No love or trust of Caillou. I like it. <laughs> Caillou's a shifty little <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Yes. Uh, have you heard of an author named Tim Pratt? Yes, but I couldn't tell you why. 
Uh, he's written quite a few science fiction and fantasy books. Uh, Miracles and Marvels, The Forbidden Stars, The Dreaming Stars, Heirs of Grace, Deep Woods, and many, many, many more. Go take a look at his website, timpratt2t's.org. A lot of stuff on there. And he will be writing a book in one of my most favorite universes. In November of 2020, we are getting a new book set in the Twilight Imperium universe, The Fractured Void. Ah, cute. Yes, Tim Pratt will be writing it. And I'm now going to quote from the press release. Captain Felix Duval and the crew of the Tamarius quietly patrol a remote Mentec coalition colony system where nothing ever happens. But when they answer a distress call from a moon under attack, the peaceful existence is torn apart. They rescue a scientist, Thales, who's developing revolutionary technology to create new wormholes. He just needs a few things to make it fully operational. And now, ordered to aid the scientist... The Tamarius is targeted by two rival Black Ops teams intent on reacquiring Tails. Can Felix trust Thales? Tails? Thales? I don't know. One of the two. Or is this a conspiracy to tip the balance of power in the galaxy forever? Nice. All right. So Twilight Imperium's getting some novels. Interesting. I wonder if there's a book where it talks about how any time that I play that game, I become a terrible, terrible human being and I... Wish to conquer all by force and rule with a mighty hand. No, no, Jonathan, that's just you being a dick. You just need to own that. Dude, I told you, man, like 4X games bring out the dick in me. I'm sorry. I behaved playing, playing stuff. No comment. No comment. I didn't even bug you, man. I could have. I could have wrecked your world. But I just kept it myself. The little me in my corner. And you still won. So there you go. Surprise. Yeah, because I did an expansion right at the end of the game. Massive expansion. But that's neither here nor there. That's it. That's all I got. Cool. I guess it's time to bond. That is the end of our Wisdom of Crowd segment, which means it's time for us to shift gears a little bit and go into our No Time to Bond segment. This is, of course, the segment where we are slowly and methodically working our way through all 27 of the Bond films. No, no, no. 24. 25? Because we're adding, oh, that's right. Because we're adding in, well, no, we're adding in three, so it has to be, oh, 24. maybe it's twenty. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Part eleven of our twenty-seven part series. Tonight we're talking about Moonraker, released on June twenty-sixth, nineteen seventy-nine. Uh, riffing on last episode, very good year, Jonathan. Very good year. Uh, I'd like to give. <laughs> Not quite as good as seventy-seven, but I'll give it a I'll give it a thumbs up. I, I, uh, I I'd like to give a shout out to little six-month-old at this point, Robert, Robert, who is probably pooping and peeing in his own diapers at this point. But yes, very good year, nineteen seventy-nine, with the budget of thirty-four million dollars, and it made two hundred ten point three million, and directed by Lewis Gilbert. And this was his final Bond movie. Of course, he did the previous few, which were all oddly interconnected with plot lines and whatnot, and we don't need to go into that again. <laughs> but yes. I don't even know where to begin with this movie, Jonathan. Hot mess. Party of one. Your table's now available. Yeah. Like for how good they did the last movie and how many steps forward they took in Bond being, you know, an actual protagonist and having good female characters and so on and so forth. And and how sure of itself with its own storytelling. It's a complete reversal. Yes. It, it's clearly Star Wars made a ton of money. Quick. Let's make a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Yeah, and borrow the borrow the plot from uh, 
well, the last movie, because it's the same plot. Yeah. Evil Madman wants to rebuild society, but this time it's also lasers and no gravity yeah uh, it was moving my arms in slow motion makes it look like i'm weightless <sighs> look at me pluck this pen from the middle of the air yeah we'll we'll riff on 2001 i i don't i, I don't i don't this this movie was is a car accident yeah it is a car accident of choices yeah it was so it is bad the twisted mangled wreckage of what was a a a series on the rise yeah i i just i don't i don't get what happened i just (laughs) i'm just watching it i'm like i don't understand yeah it completely reverses all the positive things that had happened in the last three movies and 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 just it's a slapstick completely unsure of itself film that where, where nothing happens they wasted a fantastic actor on the villain too. Yeah, wasted him. Wasted him on on cookie cutter lines. Uh, the plot is so stupid. Like Hugo Drax tries to kill Bond from the get go, and it's terribly obvious he's doing it. You know, and it's like, why is he dragging attention to himself? He's about to do his masterstroke plan. Why don't you just sh- be nice to Bond, not prove to him that you're trying to kill him, and thus up to something. Even if he finds something, you know, like just trying to murder him is making you suspicious. And that and that's how he gets caught. He keeps trying to kill Bond and fail. And Bond's like, well, that fellow's obviously up to something and keeps digging, (laughs) you know, and they try to and they keep killing him. They keep trying to kill him on his own property. Like, seriously, even if they succeeded in killing Bond, like MI6 knew he was there. Like, why? Why? Not to mention they, they they make a complete return to all the cheesy, weird, cartoonish sound effects again. Yeah, and like and like Jaws finding love and then playing the the the, the overture to Romeo and Juliet during it is just so bad. It's a mind-boggling mess. Yeah, like I sat down and I watched it with Jessica, and and I I had forgotten how bad it was, and she even said. This was really a thing that came out in movie theaters. I couldn't help but to say, I'm sorry. I don't know how. No, I don't know how. I, 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 yeah. Damn. Damn. Like every bad thing we've ever said about any of the Roger Moore, James Bond movies, they like kind of do in this one because, you know, you've got the problems with sexism and misogyny and toxic masculinity and plotting and pacing and writing and it's just like it's just every every issue of all of the previous movies is just wrapped up thrown in a blender and you know kicked up to 11 and it's just it's yeah it's so the villain doesn't make any sense with what he's doing like why did even roger moore doesn't look comfortable no no there's never a point where he looks like he's having a good time no which is completely contrary to the last film which where he was a well-written character and you could tell he was having an absolute blast with the dialogue and and the one before that because he was playing off his his bestie you know uh, Christopher Lee yeah. you know yeah 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 just everything and then and, and the pity is there's some really good actors in in supporting roles like uh, uh, yeah his name is Michael Lonsdale uh, you may know him from a more recent movie he was in Ronin mm. man like he is so powerful of an actor and just. He's grasping at straws the entire time. He's trying so desperately to make it work. 
like they, they want him to be Blofeld so bad. You know, he's dressed like Blofeld. He kind of acts like Blofeld. Yeah, the only thing he's missing was the weird cat. Yeah. <sighs> Just so weird. And then, like, what's his plan? Like, he's going to kill all of humanity and then, like, start anew with the people on a space station, even though he's a really smart guy and he should know that the amount of people they have on that space station is not enough to reboot society because you need about five to 10,000 people and they certainly don't have that there. <sighs> it's a miss in every way, shape, and form. They bring back Jaws, they make him into a cartoon character. Do you know why it was that he found love in that movie? No. Because apparently, for whatever reason, Jaws resonated with kids and people wrote in, children wrote in and and were talking about how they didn't want Jaws to be a bad guy. And so they gave in to that. And they gave him a heel turn? That's terrible. Yeah. Let's forget about all the murders Or a face turn. Whatever. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. We don't need to worry about those murders. He's better now. Look at him. He's adorable. Yeah. Oh, you, you get it? He's He's got the little short lady, and, and he's super tall. Oh, it's a match. Opposites attract. We come together because opposites attract, and you know. Blah, blah, now blah, let's, blah. Now let's add a bunch of cartoon noises to the sound effects. Pew, pew, and, pew, and, pew, and pew. that somehow makes it better. Pew, pew, laser guns. Pew, pew, pew. I'm not even talking about the pew, pew, laser t- guns. I'm talking about, like, when Jaws is, like, fighting Bond, there's weird cartoon noises. Yeah, and it's it's not even that too. Like uh, that whole weird part in the middle where he's like in the Amazon rainforest, and you know he's trying to find like the base, or or, or, or no, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. No, uh, it's it's uh, they're in uh, they're in Brazil, and they're trying to kill him in Brazil, and then they escape, and then all of a sudden they're on horseback, and it's a western, and they end up at like a a monastery, but the monastery turns out to be an MI6 base and all the monks are Kung Fu fighting and shooting laser guns. And uh, there's a whole rehash of the, the live and let die, uh, speedboat race. Yeah. Except it's not nearly as cool. <laughs> no, it's not nearly as cool because it's, it's constricted and, and told from a poor position. Yeah. It's, it's a mess. Like, I don't know that there is a single redeeming aspect of this film other than we got through it. So now we can get to the next one. Yeah. So about the only thing that this movie is notable for is this is the last appearance of Bernard Lee as M. He died uh, right before they began filming the next movie uh, for your eyes only. Probably because he watched this one. (laughs) Yeah, it's a shame he went out on this one. It is a shame because he he turned in some good performances and his performance in this one isn't even good because it's it's he's forced to deliver some really weird choices on dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about it. this one. This one was somehow worse than I remembered it. And as I was watching it, I was astounded with how much of this movie I just like purged from my brain. Like I didn't even remember the whole bit where they go to the the you know super secret, not even super secret, but his like compound in California, and like he does like astronaut training where they almost kill him, and then that one goon who again Asian dude because weird fixation on on Asian stuff. Uh, that goon then tries to kill him in Venice where they destroy him. Like large parts of this movie. I don't remember at all. And the only parts I remember is like jaws on the cable car. And then the end in that groovy space station. And yeah, the rest of the movie, I just forgot. And I get why it's just so bad. And it's boring like that. It, it commits the Cardinal sin too. It's just boring. You know, you know, what the worst part is it actually starts out strong. The, the pre-credit segment is interesting. 
I don't even remember what it is at this point. It's the the space shuttle heist. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that, I mean it doesn't make any damn sense no. because the space shuttle doesn't work like that. But yeah. at least it's interesting. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I, I would say skip it. I don't think any, there's any redeeming value to this movie. It, it's not even like a fun bad, you know? No, no, it's not a fun bad. I mean, at the end of the day, we watched it so you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Because previous to this, I would say probably the weakest one was uh, Man with the Golden Gun. And even then, that was fun to watch because Christopher Lee, when he bursts out and, beca- you know, and becomes a character in the movie, like he's interesting to watch, you know? But there's but the villains boring the them trying to kill Bond over and over boring Bond's boring because he's obviously not enjoying himself like yeah it's just so bad I don't even want to talk about it anymore this movie is just we're a positive podcast and I and and I can't I can't think of anything good to say well, this is this is the what third of the seven Roger Moore films yes right yes 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 yeah because then there's no no this is the fourth this is the fourth for your okay this is the fourth wait hold on uh it's live and let die live and let die man with the gold man with the golden gun the spy who loved me spy who loved me which was good and then moonraker this one which was really bad. and then the next one up is uh for your eyes for your eyes only followed by octopussy followed by uh, a view to a kill which is his final one (laughs) Which I seem to recall having really positive memories of, so I'm hoping that would. I seem to remember that it was fun. It was not good, but it was fun. No, it was fun though. Yeah, and freaking Christopher Walken's always yeah awesome. Yeah, because he's 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 got the Walken turned up to like eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're we're getting ahead of ourselves, which obviously means our our time to bond is over. Oh yeah. Let's forget about this one. So, we'll turn to for your eyes for your eyes only. We'll just I, I remember that one being okay vaguely. I do too. I do too. It's got a Carly Simon theme song, so we'll we'll see. Oh, and you want to hear something sad? This is also the movie that Shirley Bassey went out on because this was her last Bond theme. Yeah, which is a pity because Moonraker was a dope song, completely wasted. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Shirley Bassey's a queen, and if by some stretch of the imagination she happens to hear this. I love you deeply and I always will. By the way, interesting note, the title sequence uh, of this movie cost more than the budget for the original Dr. No. <laughs> that is interesting. Actually. That's really interesting. <laughs> so there you go. All right. So join us in two weeks when we hit part 12 in our series for your eyes only until then. May God have mercy on anybody involved in the making of Moonraker. Yeah. Actually, I'm I'm getting kind of excited because we're gonna take we're getting close to our first uh, side trek on our No Time to Bond because uh, Never Say Never Again is coming up pretty soon too. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Jesus, no, make it stop! <laughs> <laughs> Why are we being forced into it? I know what we're getting into there. It's not fun. Oh, but the video game. D- do uh. you do you want to play again? Yes, for the world. Oh, God. Total world domination begins. With that, so you see, as the game goes on, the electric shocks get hotter. (laughs) What's wrong with you? I love that movie, it's so bad. But that movie's, I I like that movie because it's bad in a fun way. But we are getting way ahead of ourselves, yes, yes. We, I, but I can't wait to take our first sidetrack. I'm so excited about that sooner than later, yes. Well, that brings us to the end of No Time to Bomb, which means it is, of course, time for our year in the life segment. This is, of course, where we look at what we deeped over a year ago. And we talk all about it. What happened a year ago? I can't remember. 60-something? Forgot My Dice, episode 63. Super culturally relevant. Uh, we talked about gaming for two. 
Oh, that was a good one, yeah. That was your first one back after Amelia. Like, you, you started watching movies again and stuff. And I was talking about Discovery Season 2 back then. I, I just listened to that episode while I was doing my errands today. God, has it been that long since Discovery Season 2? Yeah, 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 it has been. It has been. And season three's coming soon, right? Soon TM. I mean, they had to shut down production because of COVID, so they say it's going to get delayed. Because they, they filmed everything. They just have to do the effects and any pickups, I guess, that they're going to need to do. Which they can't do. Pickups are the hard thing. The effects they can do from home. Yeah. Well, sort of. If you have a computer good enough, but yeah. No, you don't need. You don't do it at, at, at on your own. You you just log into your work machine and, and work remotely. Anyway, but yeah, the point it's is totally doable. the point is it's it's going to get delayed because of COVID. Thanks, COVID. Thanks. Thanks, Rona. Thanks, Rona. But yeah, no, we it was it was a fun it was a fun one. We were we were talking about a lot of stuff. The one that got me, the one that I made, like, oh my god, that is I, I can't believe it feels like it's been way longer than that. I was excited about an upcoming game called Dragon Quest Builders 2. It had not come out yet, and I was super excited because it was getting close and I had pre-ordered it. And yeah, I have since played the Dickens out of that game, but it's weird hearing a time before that. And it was only a year ago. It seems like 30 years. <laughs> I I do need to play that game, but I'm waiting for it to get cheap again. And I still need to finish Final Fantasy VII. I just haven't had time to finish it. I need to. Well, you need to play Dragon Quest XI. Because that game, that is 120 hours of pure delight. Because it's got Silvando in it. Silvando's amazing. Here's a, here's a hidden secret. Silva, it, Dragon Quest XI is not your character's game. You are just a side character for the great Silvando because he is amazing. Yeah, unfortunately, it's still 60 bucks on Steam. Yeah, well, it'll get there sooner or later. And it goes on sale pretty regularly. It's on my wish list. But regardless, that is what we were doing a year ago. So I think that's it. I think we're done. I think we can move on to our uh, move on. All right, well, we are going to take a quick break, and when we return, it'll be time for our deep dive. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, oh, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our deep dive. And this week we are doing a little bit of a different deep dive than normal. We are revisiting Scythe, but in an alternate way. Forgot My Dice episode 0.5, uh, A Town with Tentacles. <laughs> we reviewed Scythe way, way, way back. That episode came out in August 2nd, 2016. So, yes, we, we've been talking off and on for ever now <laughs> about uh, uh re-reviewing this one because uh the first couple episodes were a little little raw as we were sort of figuring out the format you know we've gotten better we have gotten better 
So we've been, we've talked about like, you know, redoing this one for, uh, it comes up, it, it, it comes up at least a couple times a year. So, but yes, it seemed the perfect time to do it because we're stuck at home due to the COVIDs and we were playing the tabletop simulator. And wouldn't you know, Scythe is an official expansion DLC of tabletop simulator. So we figured we would give it a go. I guess this is the part where I recopy, right? Yes. <laughs> copy away. In an alternate reality in 1920s Europa, it's been Hold several years. I need to fix that sentence. In a bitching alternate reality. <laughs> it's been several years since the Great War, but the ashes of the conflict are still hot and the war is entering a new phase. The first conflict saw the emergence of some incredible engines of war known as mechs, built by, quote, the factory, end quote, an independent city-state which has since become the object of everyone's desire. These technological monstrosities roam the snowy landscapes of Europa. To assure victory of your people, you will need to explore and conquer new territories, enlist new recruits, and deploy your forces by building formidable and terrifying combat mechs. Be the hero of one of the five factions and become the richest, most powerful nation in all of Europa during these dark times. Although I think the version we had actually had uh, the, t- the expansion factions as well. So seven factions, I guess. Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be a little weird because I guess I guess we're going to talk about it within the context of Tabletop Simulator and without because we're doing both these. So, Jonathan, tell me how that game plays. Man, the first thing I noticed more than anything else, this game held up so much better than I ever could have anticipated it would. I am still impressed by the the game engine, how smooth it is, how everything comes together. I mean, just I had a great time. I haven't played this game since we reviewed it four years ago. So I was having a a tougher time because um, we weren't learning it together and I had forgotten more than I had realized. (laughs) So I, I I was having a tough time kind of like relearning it because I was sort of relearning it on the fly because I was, I remember just enough that I thought I knew what I was doing. And by about halfway through the game, I had realized I had no idea what I was doing and I had already lost. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh crap. So I was trying to recover but it was not happening. So well, let's go over the game. We're, we're supposedly re-reviewing this game. So let, let's start from the beginning. It's, it's a, it's a territory control game. Uh, yeah, it's made it's a by X game. basically. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice because a lot of four X games I've noticed get a little bit into the weeds of combat. And this one, the combat is not the focus. It's the expansion is the, co- the, the focus, but you don't necessarily need to like expand into other people's stuff. Cause even we were playing a four player game and there was still plenty of room to just sort of do your own thing. And sort of protect your borders, but you didn't need to like start necessarily fighting over anything, you know. Well, I think you're highlighting one of the best parts about this game is that there there really are a, a bunch of different ways that you can be successful in the game and make a lot of points and, and and be viable. You you don't need to focus on expansion. You don't need to focus on combat. You don't need to focus on on cultivating. You, you can you can do a mixture. You can do one. You can. There's just so many different ways that you can approach this title. So the way the game starts is everybody either picks or gets assigned a faction. I think we just picked based off of, I, I don't know what, I didn't really pick off of anything. I just pressed a button. Uh, we rolled a dice. We rolled a die, remember? I don't even think we rolled the die. I think we just all picked factions. And then we're like, should we no, roll we, the die? We, we ended up rolling the die. We changed a couple things around because of it. Oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't move because I didn't care. I chose my we guys. Same thing. I chose my guys because I just decided to sit there. And then you pick one of like what seven or eight like player boards that that are everybody's are slightly different. Uh, well, at least the seven boards are, are slightly different, right? There's you could be. I was the innovator 
And you're supposed to you're supposed to roll that randomly, but I picked the innovator purely on the word innovation, which I thought was fun, and I because I, I didn't remember what I was doing. <laughs> so, but each of your boards, you have like a top action, and then you have a bottom action. And the top action is just stuff we you can do. Four columns. You have four yeah, you have four columns, columns. Which, which equate to four actions, of which there's there's a top and bottom. So there's there's actually a total of eight actions. Yeah, yeah. And so on your turn, you have a little peg. And you choose to do one action. And then on your next turn, you can't choose the same action unless you have rules that say you can choose the same action. So you have to move your little token elsewhere to choose your action. And the actions are pretty basic. It's, you know, it's move, recruit, uh, produce, and I'm missing one. Uh, You can move, uh, you can produce, you can recruit, or you can not modify because that is... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it's the building one. It's the one where you, uh, uh, yeah, I forget what it's called, but it's the one where you, you, you make your stuff better. Yeah. Upgrade or whatever. Upgrade. That's it. It is upgrade. And then, yeah, you know, you gather resources. You can spend those resources on the bottom actions, which do various different effects like building buildings or producing mechs or producing workers, yada, yada, yada. And then, yeah, at the end of the game, you sort of count up your coins and, you get bonus money for however many territories you control. If you've done your secret objective, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then you just sort of count it all up and you decide who wins. Uh, and the game ends. Everybody has six star tokens. And basically as you complete objectives in the game, you place your star tokens out and whoever gets their sixth one out. That's, that's the end of the game is right there. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Like there's not, there's no die rolling. It's just, it's just a lot of do action, do more actions. And the part where I screwed up is I didn't get all my workers out. That's something I should have focused on more. That, that was where I realized I was probably going to lose when I realized I didn't have all my workers out. Cause I remembered what I had to do now. And I'm like, Oh, which you'll shoot. notice is the very first thing I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's what, what I should have been focusing on, but I forgot. I got kind of obsessed with, uh, on the board, there's these random events, um, where you choose a, a deck of cards and I got really kind of obsessed with doing the random events cause I found them amusing. I don't know why, cause it was, it was a bad choice, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. What do I know? It's fun though. I, the random events are fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I got really into them cause I, I thought they were fun, but it was kind of a poor thing to focus on. You, you, it was a thing I could have done while I was building guys, but I focused on it instead of building guys. And that was my mistake. But yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's it. You just play, you try to get your stars out. Whoever gets the stars out first triggers the end game. And in our game, because uh, we played with Ray and Brendan, uh, Ray actually triggered the end game, but he lost. You won because you had you had the more points at the end by about 10. If I remember, you had like 80 something and Ray had 70 something. If uh, I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, it was less than 10. I think it was nine. Uh, nine point game, if I remember correctly. But what it came down to for me was what got me the win is I had focused on keeping my faction's popularity high. And Ray had not, and therefore I got a better multiplier on the on the, the the final scoring. Yeah, yeah. And there's a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff to keep track of, like getting your popularity up. That's how you drop one of your stars. Uh, getting your power up, which is like your warfare power. Uh, if you get that maxed out, you can drop one of your stars. You completing one of your two secret objectives that gets you one of the star tokens. Uh, getting all your workers out is another one, and I forget what the sixth one is, but it's – oh, is it getting all your mechs out? It's probably getting all your mechs out. That yeah, sounds just right. getting all your mechs out. Uh, don't forget it's the first and second person to to win combat. The yeah. The first time you win combat, the second time you win combat. There's there's quite a few. There's like 11 or 12 ways to – Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true because it's all the top of the board. Star, but you only need six to kick it off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's such a simple game. It's It's – 
it's fascinatingly simple and yeah, it's but, but, but so it's often so t- the, the same way we, we we discuss other simple games like flam rouge is another good example of this the the simplicity is deceptive because it does not uh give you insight into the depth of the game yeah yeah and that, and that's where it is there's a lot of depth but the the core game itself is very very simple and I will say this, I remember when we were learning the game the first time, it clicked really fast and playing the tabletop simulator version. Now, given I was possibly suffering from like half remembrances of the game that were not ultimately correct, um, but it, it didn't click for me nearly as fast as the original one did. But then again, we were definitely playing a learning game the first time. So I, your your mileage may vary on that. I guess if you haven't played the game in four years, like just pretend that you never played the game before because that's probably the best deal to try to remember how to play the game. Because I, yeah, that was frustrating when I realized I, I screwed up because I just, the things I remembered about the game weren't exactly right. It was very frustrating, Jonathan. Urgh. That's not the game's fault. That's Robert's fault. So uh, I guess we should talk about it in the context of Tabletop Simulator. I mean, it 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 plays like the board game. I mean, you shuffle the deck, you move the pieces around, everything is interactable, which is kind of, I guess, why you would buy Tabletop Simulator because you don't have it done for you. I remember when we were playing, Ray said he actually liked this version better than the Steam version that you talked about buying as part of that Humble Bundle because the Steam version, it does a lot of the stuff for you. Like it automates a lot of the stuff. And he said actually moving things around made you a lot. uh, He's like, I'm a much more aware of what's going on. Because I have to physically move it as opposed to the game doing it for me because it's like, oh, I chose this thing. My power went up. And so the the token automatically moves. But, you know, when you're playing the tabletop simulator version, that token ain't moving unless you pick it up and move it. So and I I thought that was interesting. And I could see I could see the point of that. Like and I think that's why I like tabletop simulator so much. The the tactileness does add something to it. Like it it is. It does. It's what prevents it from feeling too much like a video game. It was funny because I was looking out for stuff like that and Ray said something out loud that like really sunk into why I like Tabletop Simulator more than I think I like video game versions or yeah, app versions of these games. It captures that tactile nature of it, the, the, the grabbing stuff and, and moving it around aspect. So speaking of which, the one on Tabletop Simulator, the official one, is the retail version of the game. And interestingly enough, it comes with the rule book. Like you could pick up and flip through a, a virtual version of the rule book. Um, so Jonathan, how is that rule book? Well, it meets the rule book for the game. So it works really, really well. I, I, I didn't actually pick it up and flip through it. Does it have an index? Does it have a glossary? Uh, table contents. It an yeah, it, it does. It does have an index. It does have a, a table contents. It's, it's basically the same rule book that you get in the game. Uh, the only downside is that when, when you want to flip cha- uh, pages in tabletop simulator, you're basically changing the the quote unquote state of an object, and it, so it's it's a little less than intuitive. Mm. Okay. And one of the things we were complaining about was you you have the super deluxe awesome Kickstarter version of the game with all the bells and whistles. Yeah. And we were you know so some of the the tokens and whatnot were not those super awesome deluxe ones, and I was kind of surprised too. I, I mean I get having the retail game. Because that's the one the majority of players it are probably going to have. Because you can't, you know, you can upgrade your other game to to the the super deluxe version, um, but you're you're paying for a lot of those upgrades. And this is the version that you would get if you were to go into uh, a store. So it makes sense that they would want to match that. Yeah, I'm just surprised they didn't give you the option of doing both. You know, like 
I mean, I guess some of those Kickstarter rewards aren't for sale, but like, yeah, I, I remember when we were playing your super deluxe version, the, the components were really, really nice. <laughs> it was yeah, really, really yeah. nice playing with little yeah. bits of wood instead of like little cardboard tokens. Now given, I mean, I don't know how much it really would have added to the game itself. If they were little polygonal 3d tokens instead of flatter ones, like the game came with, but I kind of wish, I kind of wish he had the option, you know, I, I don't know. Speaking of like, I guess the virtual components, um, uh, I remember uh, you pointed this out and I did it too. We zoomed in really close to like the play mat and whatnot. And it was all super duper duper high res, <laughs> which yeah, was so pretty that, impressive. That's one of the, the biggest pros that you get to uh, getting one of these official modules versus one of the um, workshop modules is that you are dealing with the original art assets. And so they are infinite in their resolution, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that is not something that you always get with the, the no. stuff that, the, that is in the workshop. I mean, oftentimes it's just scans of components. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was pretty impressive. I also like that the, the game board, uh, the table itself appeared to be like specially made or whatever programmed for that game because it was like a unique table. And then the background was also unique because it had a lot of the cool art like on the walls, you know? Yeah, they made it all match up, which was really cool. They They, they made a special 3D environment specifically to help uh help this out yeah over i i I guess since this is a re-review we didn't even talk about the art the art is based off of like a concept artist who just sort of made this and then they built scythe sort of around the the guy's concept art but the art for the game is amazing and the tabletop and since you know it's using all the original art assets you you get to see that in the game which is really really nice on tabletop simulator and it is like it's 1920s but with giant mechs and kind of like a steampunky world war one vibe but it's 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 interesting like that guy that artist whoever it is 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 does really good work jacob rizalski i think his name is yeah yeah so is there anything off in the execution is our next thing so uh, on the one hand there's aspects of the setup that are great because it's so much easier to set up in tabletop simulator because well <laughs> yeah. because there are so many components Setting it up on a table uh, can be difficult, can be difficult. Yeah, because there's all the little plugs and there's all the little, yeah. yeah, there's all that stuff. And what's nice about the game is when you choose a faction and you press the button, a lot of that initial setup just gets done for you right there. Yeah. You know, it, the, like, the only thing that doesn't get done is that because the, the, the game boards are all different and there is a there's a randomization to it, it, it doesn't set those game boards up. So you have to take all of your little wooden pieces and put it to your game board. But that being said, it doesn't take any time at all. Yeah, it is a little annoying, especially, I, I mean, it's one of those things you'd have to know. I don't know if this is a great version of the game to like learn on because that might be difficult, especially if you're flipping through the rule book and it's telling you how to set up, but then the game half sets up for you and half doesn't. Um, so like be aware of that, I guess. Um, but that being said, you know, we playing the game once we kind of knew where everything went. So when it kind of like got you halfway there of setting up the game, it was pretty easy to just, you know, do the next part. Also, it set up all the tokens, and yeah, it was it was good about doing a lot of that stuff. It was nice. The original game, I I remember calling it Sublime. I remember my wife questioning that choice of words, and and I'm like, you haven't played this game, woman. Like, don't question me. And she's wanted to play Scythe ever since then, and she still hasn't. Sorry, Gina. Ah, uh, the actual game itself, I can't think of anything off in the execution. Like, what it's trying to do, it does. Which is it's trying to be a four X game, but it's not trying to be a combat driven one. It's it's kind of a more 
It is what you want it to be. It can yeah. be combat driven. It can That's be exploration true. driven. It can be farming driven. Like you have that flexibility. And I think that's what this game does so darn well. And it's just, yeah, that's, that's the problem with a lot of fall. Yeah. The, a lot of four X games, it seems like one of the four X's gets really iterated on. Cause it's something that the, the person has in their head, you know? And so one of the X's always turns out to be probably the way to go. You know, like I see that trap a lot. It's usually combat where they, they do something with the combat. Oh, but yeah. it makes it fiddly or makes it whatever. But in this one, it's all very kind of Euro style. It's much more worker placement and it's very, very loose. And no one part of it is more or less complicated than the other. And I think that's kind of where the game shines, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I can't think of anything off. It does what it wants to do very well. Now, I, the only the only flaw of it would be if you don't like 4X games, I mean, it's not you're, this isn't going to be a game you're going to enjoy then. But that's not the game's problem. You know, like if you don't like 4X games, you shouldn't be playing 4X games. There's plenty of other types of games to play out there. Recommended player counts. I believe the first time we did this, we played with three and this time we played with four. Um, I remember the first time we played, I didn't have anybody next to me. I was alone on my side of the board and I definitely felt it having a neighbor this time. It made it a different game. It makes you nervous. It makes it you does. more tense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the more the merrier. Um, it does have all of the components to play up to like seven players. Like everybody's on the board. So I, I know two of those people are from an expansion, but I know they're there. You can click that button. Well, the, so, the board always had them on. Them. Yeah, yeah, but you couldn't click the button and play them. And I know they're no. there. Yeah. So, so they're they're there. Like you could you could play all the way up to all of those players. But that again, like the board is still large enough that you don't necessarily have to go on conquest. You probably will at some point because you can't get all the resources otherwise necessarily. But yeah. Well, you but, don't though. Cause I, I played a very condensed game. I barely moved out of my spot. I had everybody. Oh, you were trading a lot. Yeah. I, I was on my little peninsula making it happen. And then at the last possible second, right before I, cause I knew end game was about to be triggered. So my last one of my last two or three moves was I rapidly expanded my guys into a large section of the board because I knew it would get me points. Yeah. But still, yeah, I think I think the more the merrier in this game. Have you played like a seven player with the max? Yeah, it's nuts, man. In, in a good way. It really, really works. OK, well, that, that would be something I'd like to try. All right, Jonathan, we're, we're there already. Uh, what's one last thing you want to say about Scythe on Tabletop Simulator or Scythe or Tabletop Simulator? Whatever. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've played Scythe on Tabletop Simulator. I've played the digital board game. I have played the physical board game. And the thing that sticks out to me the most is the medium doesn't matter. This game is so well executed that it's always brilliant. It's always fun. And most importantly, it's always balanced. If you lose, you know why you lost. You, you can look mm-hmm. back at your game and say, I made these tactical errors and this is why I lost. Oh, yeah, Never. yeah. When I figured out that I was going to lose, yeah, when I figured out I was going to lose, I, I knew why I was going to, I didn't put out my workers. Like, it was painfully clear when, I, when it all came together. I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose this game and this is why. It sucked that it was in the, not the middle, it was like the end middle of the game <laughs> that I figured out I'm going to lose and here's why. I, but yeah, I could see that Ray was doing the math on winning and I knew the, the two things that I needed to do to, to keep my score high. Number one, I knew I needed to keep my popularity high. So m- several of my last turns were focused on, on getting that popularity to, to bounce up into that, that last tier and stay there. And then the second thing that I, I knew I needed to do was to take a little bit more territory. 
And, and I needed to do that for two different reasons, and, and it worked. It worked for me. Um, that being said, it, it was a gamble, and it could have easily not worked, and I would have known exactly why I didn't win. So th- Yeah, and Ray was trying to figure out if he should trigger the end game or not, but he could have easily started you know, fighting with you and drag the game yeah. out a few more turns and that might that would have changed some of the mojo on that. Oh, it would have totally changed the mojo. I mean, like I could have just as easily continued to to manufacture points for myself because I had a really good engine going at that point. I mean, he was right to try and end the game. That was that was the right move. Keeping me going, I don't think would have would have won him. I think that would have actually made it a a more lopsided victory. Okay, so my last thing is uh I found playing this game again frustrating because i screwed up and uh my spike side came out and didn't like that i screwed up it made me mad i didn't even count up my points at the end because i didn't want to know how much i lost by because it would have just frustrated me that being said there the only reason i didn't suggest playing the game again now that i figured out what i was doing was just it you know took a couple hours and i was tired I would totally play this game like one in the morning for most of us yeah yeah you Stupid people on your other coasts. I'm on the superior one. But um, I, there, there's no point where I said, I'm, I'm so frustrated and mad. I'm not going to play this game again because it's screwed up. I like I realized I screwed up and I wanted to take that lessons into another game uh, as soon as I could. <laughs> like I wanted to play it again. And I, I remember actually that night while we were going to bed, I was telling I was telling Gina how frustrated I was because I, I really I. I realize one of the things I like about playing games in general is I like getting good at them. Like I like practicing and I like doing it over and over and over. And I'm one of those, I could pl- I could play a game I'm enjoying a thousand times and, and still get joy out of it. Um, oh yeah. How many times have you and I played, uh, uh, Lords of Waterdeep together? Right, right. And, but I, I could do that a lot. And I much more than a lot of people seem to have the patience for. I, I, that's, that's one of my things, but um, yeah, yeah, no, I immediately wanted to take the the lesson I learned now that the game kind of clicked again uh, and, and play it again. And I, I kind of made the resolution to myself that I'm not going to wait four years to play this game again because you have it on Tabletop Simulator. Now we can play it over time and space uh, because we live in the future, Jonathan. We live in the future. So, yes, that is how good this game is. I, I cannot tell you how frustrated I was really frustrated. I was really, really trying hard not to let that come out while we were playing. Cause I was really pissed at myself for screwing up. And, uh, even with that, there was no point where I'm like, I, I'm not going to play this game again. Cause I'm so mad. I'm like, I want to play this game again and, and use those lessons because it's, it's, it's a good game. It's, well, it's and, and, really and fun. The, the difference between a, a good game and a great game. And, and this is, I, I will say that this is a great game. Yeah, yeah. On a great game, you can look back and, and do that analysis and learn from it and, and know that you want to come back because you've, you've taken something away from it and you know that you'll be that much more effective in the next one. A good game, oftentimes you'll look back and not be able to answer that question of, of why am I winning? Mm-hmm. And I, I could tell you, I know exactly how I controlled the board the entire game. And there were moments where I wasn't sure of myself, but there was never a moment that I was not sure if I was going to win because of something I did. It was because somebody was playing better than me at certain aspects of it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what's amazing about this game is it never betrays you in that way. You always know what's going on. Well said, sir. Well said. Bravo. I'm going to clap. All right. Uh, is that the end? That's the end.
Well, that brings us to the end of another exciting episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Once again, join us on all of our digital domains. We'd love to hear from you. And as you can tell from the review, we will gladly play games with you as well. Come join us. It's fun. <laughs> Ray, Brendan, thank you for all the fantastic games. Uh, you're helping the quarantine go, a little by, go by a little bit easier. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Like, <laughs> oh, I'll save this for my final thoughts. Okay, there you go. Well, then, Robert, any final thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was just uh, it, it's it's so because, I mean, we've had Brendan and Ray on, but we, we were like in podcast mode and I was being podcast Robert because podcast Robert and real Robert are not necessarily the exact same person. But um, it was it was funny when we were playing playing them because we there was this moment where I, I forget even what they said, but they you know, they were they both of them were just being silly and like they committed to being silly. And I remember I remember saying to them. You know, after they they had just like ran a joke into the ground and and kicked it several times <laughs> that uh, I, I told them I appreciated how committed they were to that bit because it was very amusing to listen to. And then Ray said to me like I was a idiot child. Um, There's a reason we listen to your podcast, Robert. It's because we <laughs> share the same sense of humor. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, touche, touche, right? Touche. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, it was, it was fun hanging out with them and talking. And uh, uh, real, real Robert uh, is, is a little shy sometimes. Sometimes I don't talk. But it, it's nice playing games with them more than once because I, I am chatting more because I get more into the zone of being able to chat more. Nice. So, yes. need to get everybody, now that everybody knows how to fun yeah, the more, I'd be you, down. the more people you cram into that, the more interesting they get. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll try it, and I wouldn't mind playing on that same course again because, like I said, I like uh, I like having a strategy and I like figuring it out. <laughs> I don't need to play something new constantly. I like I like having a I like I like it. I like feeling it out. Like like I've said, I don't learn games by like thinking about them. I learn games by feeling them out, and I can feel out a good game like a, like a, like Scythe and like uh, and, and Flame Rouge, like um, or Flam Rouge. Sorry, not Flame Rouge. Um, <laughs> If it's got a lot of depth, I, I I can I can feel the the depths of that depth out, and and it can be interesting for a very very long time for my brain. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm done for that. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode, which means there's really only one thing left to say: be excellent to one another and party on. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 